Uh, welcome, uh, Andrew, to the Regional Football Hub on our little special edition of Regional Coaches. Uh, you've, you've got a few mentions on our hub from some players that have uh, been appreciative of your time to their careers. So it's, it's great to have you on and certainly hope you're doing well. And yeah. love, I love the, the background uh, photo you've got there. It's quite inspiring. So uh, welcome and, and hopefully uh, in, in this period of football shutdown, we're, we're ready to roll almost. So hope you're doing well and you've been, you've been okay through that period. Oh, yeah, it's been pretty good. I mean, I've just been going to work anyway at council, so that's all been pretty straightforward. I actually took a break from coaching this year to be a TD for the club, so it hasn't worked out the way I wanted it to, but it's, you know, it is what it is and we've got to deal with it. So hopefully we can get back on the park soon and kick a ball around. Well, we've got a few intro questions before we get into the nitty-gritty stuff. The first question is if you could be a professional in any other sport, what would it be? Um, probably I would have loved to have been in the motorsport somewhere um, but you know growing up in Dubbo you need to have rich parents to do that sort of thing and you know, we had six brothers so yeah that wasn't going to be an option for us um, but yeah I think motorsport would have been pretty cool um, whether it was you know, probably rallies rallying would be un unreal I reckon but yeah not really an option for us growing up so you're aimed today. make your own go-karts to uh, fly around you know or jump on skateboards no, we had motorbikes as kids, um, and we've got you know we've got six brothers, and I think five of them got motorbikes now, and we go on rides and that. Um, you had billy carts and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, we didn't have any go karts as such. We were more into motorbikes and that sort of stuff. Holden or Ford, mate? Oh, come on, Ford every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, back in your schooling years, what was your favourite subject and why? Oh, without a doubt, it would have been PE. Um, we didn't do a lot in Dubbo. There wasn't a lot of soccer in Dubbo. You know, Dubbo was a very rugby league town when I was there in the 70s and 80s. Um, but yeah, PE was always good fun. Um, yeah, didn't mind a bit of science and that sort of stuff. But yeah, PE and sport, we did a lot of that sort of stuff out there. That was good. Lots of different sports as well, not just the same stuff. Yep. If you're a cartoon character, who would you be? So. When we had the 2014 girls, this came up as a as a topic, um, and yeah, they decided that I was Squidward out of SpongeBob. <laughs> I didn't know much about Squidward at the time, so because he was a bit a bit after my time, but I chased it up and had a bit of a look, and yeah, that was actually pretty accurate. So, yep. So if you had a dollar for every coffee meeting you've had in football, how rich would you be? So I don't drink coffee, but I reckon. If I'd had a dollar for every kilometre I've travelled for football, I'd certainly be yeah, up there with one of the richest people in the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of kilometres, but yeah. What's wrong with coffee anyway? Uh, tea's much better. <laughs> well, I can tell from your background, but apart from Wagga City Wanderers, what's your favourite footballing team in the world? Yeah, obviously Barcelona's right up there. Um, and it's funny, when I, was, I moved to Canberra to study in the mid-80s and SBS had Serie A on TV, so you could get a couple of Serie A games every week on a Sunday afternoon. Just to watch that and that was pretty good. So AC Milan were always good. And my, my grandparents were Italian, so there was a bit of an affinity there as well. <laughs> but then, you know, as you got more access to television, just growing up in Dubbo, you only had two channels. 
So it was match of the day was all we ever got. But as you get access to more TV and more channels and internet, yeah, the style of football I like and obviously Barcelona right up there. Um, and I like actually tend to follow what Guardiola, follow, follow him around as well. So I like his style and what he does. So while Barcelona continue with their theme, there's other, other clubs that as you learn more about coaching, more and more coaches, you know, Xari and a few other people as well, um, Arrigo Saki and that sort of thing, their style of play and what they brought to the game. Um, yeah, that's, but yeah, we have a fondness for Barcelona at the, at the, at the core of it all. You've been involved in football for a very long time, developed some um, players that have gone on to things and, you know, given back to the game. In your time as a football coach, has it given you any everyday life qualities, do you think? Uh, probably the biggest one is, um, is having an end goal, but being patient enough to know that it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen next week. So, you know, when I first started coaching... Um, I was just doing community stuff and it was our kids coming through. So I picked them up. I let, I let them play under sixes under someone else and then I'd pick them up as under sevens, get that first year out of the way. Um, and then follow them through to under 16s. But my aim was always you know, teach them how to play what I thought was good football. And we may not have had the most athletic kids or the quick kid up front or whatever, but by the time we'd get to 15s or 16s, whatever kids we had in the team would be able to play a reasonable level of, you know, organisation and have understanding what to do and technically be okay so that we could play reasonable football and most teams would rely on their quick kid up front and we could counter that. So, you know, the idea was to get to an under-16s grand final and, you know, we got there with a couple of groups and Yates, who suffered on one of them and we smashed him in a grand final because we could play football and his team couldn't, so... But no, that's but patience and having a long-term goal is probably the is the main one. Um, you mean yeah. Gates couldn't play football, or his team couldn't play football? Oh, a bit of both. Bit of both, actually. <laughs> <laughs> they had they were a one-trick pony that team, and we we yeah got rid of that pretty quick. Top scorer in the league, but don't worry about that. <laughs> Where's the trophy live? <laughs> <laughs> Burn there, mate. Burn. Um, when you were coaching uh, and you got your whiteboard out, do, you, do your teams run up the board or down the board? Um, my goal is always at the top. Okay. So, yeah, goal is always at the top and work down. Um, yeah, you, like you like to run downhill too, huh? Yeah, I've never thought about that. But yeah, goal is always at the top and running downhill, yeah. Yep. Goal at the top because they're most important, Andrew? In some of the teams I've had, yeah, they have been the most important, yeah. <laughs> That's all we had in some spots. Uh, I guess going right back to the start, why are you involved in football? What brought you into the game? So, um, when I think back, mum and dad grew up in Dubbo. Well, they moved to Dubbo in their sort of mid-teens. <clears throat> and they came through with a whole bunch of friends in the, would have been the 50s and the 60s. And I actually... And I could be wrong, but I think them and a group of friends actually started the Newtown Soccer Club in Dubbo. Um, so when we came through as kids, like I'm the fifth of seven, we all played football um, and we all played for Newtown. Um, Mum didn't like rugby league. Um, we'd all, so we all played football and we played cricket in summer and football in winter and a bit of tennis and golf and all those other things. But football was always the main one. And then, yeah, I 
just kept going with that and you know, probably started when I was five um, and only finished playing when my orthopaedic surgeon said having had both ACLs snapped that it's probably a good time to <laughs> pull a pin because getting them repaired again is, gets a bit ugly and a bit painful. So the coaching came along and yeah, that's where I've ended up today. I know I've tried a little bit to convince you the last few years to get back and play a bit of over 45s and you shut that down pretty quickly, mate. Yeah, well, and Vinnie Marmo said that, you know, first knee reconstruction was in about 92. And he said, look, yeah, that's got screws in it. And these days we, you know, we have to pull the screws out and then into your hip and get some bone out of there and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's six months for the hip to get fixed and then 12 months for the ACL. I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to do all that. So, <laughs> no, no more plan for me. I have to wait till uh, football longer get walking football up and going. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe a bit too competitive for that. I don't know. See how we go. Um, you obviously mentioned that you kept working through the shutdown period, so uh, it's good to see that you're an essential worker. But when uh, you're in normal football mode, how, how do you handle having your know, nine-to-five job and then fitting in your football commitments around that? Is there a process that you have? What thoughts do you have? Yeah, so it's probably what I've actually done over the last few years is, is taper right back and focus on, like last year, last few years I focused on 18. Um, for back in between 2006 and 2011, it got pretty crazy. Um, and I had football training on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and games on Saturday and Sunday. And that went on for probably two years, two and a half years. And at the end of all that, I sat down and thought, this is going to kill me. I mean, the kids were playing, so it was always the kids, the community football, the kids playing, plus some senior stuff. And then um, it was always a race home from work, pick up whichever child it was, take them to training. Um, then maybe they would get picked up by their mother and the other one would get dropped off and we'd do the next training and that sort of stuff. So it got a bit crazy. And in the end, it got to the end of a season where I'd just done some state stuff for the first time, done Riverina, done the club football, done some senior stuff, and that just nearly killed me in the end. Got to October and just thought, I can't do this anymore. So started to step back from a few things and focus on the bits that I wanted to do, which was the state stuff and the, and the higher level stuff. I mean, the kids still coming through, so focused on them, but... Certainly the senior stuff, I stepped away from that because um, it was just, it became too much. Whereas now, focusing on the one team, um, yeah, it's, you've just got to compartmentalise stuff. Um, when you're at work, you're at work. And then as soon as that's finished, if it's football, it's football and you step into that mode. Um, and, you know, I've been doing it for a long time. So it's, it's pretty easy now um, to step from one role into the other. Um, and having done the, the B licence a couple of years ago, um, you know, sort of reevaluated how I do things and why I do things and, and the session planning and that sort of stuff. So I can rock up now. I know what I want to be doing at training. Um, I know where we're up to in the program. And this is a session I'm doing, so it's, 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 it's pretty easy now. Um, but, yeah, for a, for a while there it was pretty crazy and yeah, the, yeah every holiday we had was a football holiday yeah. like I grew up in Dubbo but we went back to Dubbo for state titles for six years in a row yeah. <coughs> you know, it's, 
Yeah, Dubbo's a lovely place, but, you know, um, you went to Coffs Harbour for holidays. You went down the south coast for holidays, but they're all football related. Yeah, of course. So it's, um, you know, the kids have spent a lot of time travelling all over the state, but, you know, always to a football field somewhere. You've briefly, briefly touched upon a few levels that you've coached at, but um, I know you said that every day of the week you were coaching also. So what are some of the levels you've coached at um, through your career? I uh, started off just with kids, the kids in community football. So just to pick, I used to pick them up at under sevens, coach them through to 16s. And then um, so I did some Wagga rep teams, did quite a few of them and a couple of times, two teams a year sort of thing. Then obviously from there into Riverina teams. So focused on, they started focusing on the girls stuff at state titles. Um, that was the trips back to Dubbo. And then through Tim Wilson, when he was at Football New South Wales, um, managed to land a gig as an assistant coach for the country squads. Um, so the first coach I had was Pete Page, and then um, just worked through with that. Did that for eight years, um, and then you know won a national title in 2014. And then this, we didn't get the gig the next year, but the same half of the girls won again in 2015. So that was a really good you know back up to what we'd done. And then Wanderers came along, um, so I picked up their under 18s. Um, did some local senior club stuff. Um, so, yeah, for everything from under sixes to, you know, country New South Wales and, you know, lots of stuff in between. But it's, you know, I've, you know, had the opportunity to meet a lot of people at the next level up. So, you know, we took, I coached Jada when she was a lot younger. Um, and the first nationals we had with her, Tony Franken rocked up. And introduced himself, so you know, to meet Tony Frank and meet Alex Tobin, you know, yep. good friends with Leah Blaney, um, all these sort of people, you know, Craig Foster, to meet these people and, and be able to have conversations with them um, about football. It's you know, it's very it's living in the regions, as you all know, it's quite hard to get access to these people and their football knowledge. And when you get these opportunities by being involved in these state programs and that sort of stuff, it's it's a really good opportunity. And you, you, have, you know, for someone like me, it's it's quite daunting to rock up and talk to these people, but you just have to take that step because they have so much knowledge and experience that you've got to bring that back to the regions and, and help the kids here to get whatever they can out of it. So, yeah, I've been lucky in that in that respect. Yep. We've obviously had plenty of memorable memories from playing uh, and being involved in football. So apart from coaching me, what are some <laughs> of your favourite things that you've, you've been a part of? Um, oh, there's probably four things that stand out. Um, one of them is, is when, the, when you're coaching community football, it's, you know, these kids tend to finish at 15 or 16 is when they finish playing football. Not, not, not a lot of them progressing to senior football. So your aim, or my aim, was to give these kids the best experience they could because this could be the end of organised sport for them. They, you know, some of them may never play organised sport again. So getting them to a grand final and that sort of stuff you know, and winning a grand final or for some of them scoring a goal and that sort of thing is, is, is pretty important for them. So on the community side of it, that's, that's a big thing. And we got to three grand finals in a row with different age groups and we got some kids' goals and that sort of thing. So that's 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 always been a foundation for what I do. Um, at the next level up, um, I think we take 
we take some kids to Fiji every year um, through Brist Hill and his ultimate sport. And when you go to Fiji, and that's one of the reasons I do, I'm into football, you can go anywhere in the world with a round ball and someone will kick it back to you. Um, so when we go to Fiji, we take kids from the Central Coast, Sydney, Riverina, Western, Southern, all over the place and give them an international exposure to football. So we play the Fijian teams who are trialling for their national team. And um, one of the components of this is we take the kids into a Fijian village, which could be in the middle of nowhere. And we visited one last year, which we've driven through oh, 20 or 30 times over the years. We've never actually stopped there. So we stopped there last year. And it's the first sporting visit, visit from a sporting team they've ever had because a lot of people drive through, but no one stops. So they're amazingly appreciative of what, what we, we obviously bring donations and that sort of stuff. We have a carver ceremony and that sort of thing. But then the side so under 18 boys, and they're all, you know, they're all cool and you know, they sort of, why are we doing this, blah, blah, blah. But you know, halfway through, the Fijian kids come out and they take them down to whatever for them consists of a paddock or an oval or a spare space and a couple of footballs come out and, you know, an hour and a half later, I'm going, what, have we got to get back on the bus? And all his 18 years, oh, can't we stay? Or, you know, can we just stay here for the night? It's, you know, it's not too bad and blah, blah, So exposing these kids to that side of the, of the world game um, is really cool. And the difference we're making in Fiji as well, <coughs> you know, they qualify for the Olympics. Um, their women's teams are winning games that they haven't won before. And, you know, we've, Bruce has been there for 10 years, so seeing this effect... Fijian football is really cool. Um, Wanderers last year was amazing. Um, had that group of under-18s for, you know, we've, the teams existed for four years and had that group for three of those years. And when we played in state league, we were always young. As you know, Yatesy and Bedi, you know, we were 15 and 16 or playing under 18. So we got smashed and bullied and bashed and beaten up. Um, so but 2019, we were actually the right age for the first time and playing in the Canberra comp. And it was you know, extremely competitive competition at the end of the season. Seven of the teams could make the top four. So we came in fourth, three points behind first, but only two points ahead of sixth. And then ended up smashing the grand final 7-1. Um, everything clicked. Um, everything we talked about and worked on for three years came out in that game. And the thing that disappoints me about that is that everyone was back in Wagga watching the football Wagga grand finals and probably missed the best under 18 game that we've played in the four years. It was everything we did worked. Um, and it was just, that was really, really good to see. But the best one is without a doubt, um, the winning nationals in 2014. Um, so, you know, we picked up these kids as 10, 11 year olds through Southern and Riverina and Western, you know, at state titles. And then got them into country camps as under 13s. Uh, so I worked with Jen Todd for a couple of years. We did under-13s and we followed them, that group through into under-15s. So that's Jada and Eliza Amendolia and Joey Cartwright and Chelsea Blissett and um, Claire Hunt and, and all these kids um, came through as a group. And so that win in 2014, um, you know, that was five years in the making. It's, it's not something that happens just when you get a bunch of kids together. Um, country hadn't won since 2008. 
Um, Metro lost in 2008, but previous to that hadn't lost since like 2003 or four or something like that. So it's always been New South Wales Metro winning that winning that trophy. Um, you know, we knocked Metro off on the first day, which was you know, Eliza Rimandolio put one in the top corner and Jada made some great one-on-one saves and, and we controlled the game and um, you know they had they had some really good players in their squad, but. You know, we beat them and everyone, like Victoria and South Australia and WA, everyone was, oh, my God, that's amazing. It's really good now. We can win, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, we knocked off Victoria, knocked off Newcastle, uh, knocked off Queensland. Um, we won it by Thursday. And Saturday, Friday, we had a, the final game, which didn't affect results against South Australia. We ended up losing 2-1. But, you know, winning that national title with those kids, you know, four of which went on to play mini Matildas and, Chelsea went on again from that again. So, you know, that group of kids coming through was five years in the making. And that success is, you know, it's, um, for us, that was you know, a crowning achievement for that group of kids. The amount of kilometres we did, um, the time we spent together, um, you know, it sort of started, at, started in 2013 nationals with that group because we had them as juniors. We took, them to, took a lot of them to Fiji in the December. We went to state camp in January and then came through to the following July and it all came together. So, yeah, that's, that's probably the thing I'm most proud of is that 2014, 2014 victory. That was pretty cool. Great group, of, great group of players and a great achievement. So, well done. Um, you touched a couple of people you've been able to meet on your journey. You mentioned Craig Voster, Leah Blaney, um, et cetera. Would you see that you had mentors throughout your coaching career? Do you have a mentor at the moment? And how do you see mentors in general? Yeah, so I'm probably living in the regions, it's very hard to get, once you get to a certain level, it's very hard to find people who you can confide in, who have been there, done that, who can give you that advice. Um, so once once you sort of get to the coaching at a state level, there's not, you know, when I first started, Jeff Blake before that and Steve Hayes before that, and, you know, after, before that, there's not a lot of people floating around and they're, and they're hard to find. So I was fortunate that um, Tim Wilson got me involved at the state level first and Tim was, Tim was really good. And at that, point, at that point in time, Riverina was probably the poor cousin in country football. Um, and with Tim in, got involved and shook a few things and shook a few things up and then Roy Thomas came in um, and I spent a lot of time with Roy um, he's massively experienced been there, done that in football yeah. um, and he was he was only here for 18 months before he got headhunted and taken to Canberra yeah. but in that time you know, I spoke to him a lot and he came to our place for dinner quite a bit, just talking about football and different philosophies and different things and, you know, his experiences around the world, you know, sacked as a coach, playing in Africa in a stadium of 65,000 people and he's the only white guy, all this sort of stuff, just just amazing. Um, but he, you know, he got head out and taken to Canberra. Um, and then after that, it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty hard to find people to confide in. Um, so Roy is probably been the biggest one. Um, and then after that, it's, you know, 
like when you get a sea license and you know, the only sea license in town and then there's no one really to show your sessions to or anything like that. So then, but I had, you know, some of the state coaches, Rob Hutchison was really good. Um, and he, I was worked with Rob for three years. He was really good. Um, and then when Jen Todd got the job, Jen and I were very similar, sort of at the sort of same level. So we worked together really well. Um, her, her strengths and weaknesses complemented what I had. So we worked together really well. Um, and then once I finished all that, you know, I wanted to go and get the B licence just for my own benefit, really. Um, and again, it's, you know, there's no one really here to sit down and have a chat to. So it's, you know, think, you know, the internet's been there. So, you know, I like reading. I you know, read a lot. So I've looked at a lot of videos and, you know, I've read a lot of leadership books, you know, for, you know Ferguson and lots of books about Guardiola and Arrigo Saki and, and lots of different coaching books and that sort of stuff. So I've always been no individual. Um, I tend to look, you know, whatever I can find someone to help me have a chat to them, you know, in Sydney, you know, talk to Craig Foster and you know, I did my B licence when Alex was at New South Wales, talked to Alex Tobin quite a bit. Um, as far as mentoring goes, that's one of the reasons I'm stepped back to be TD this year because I can see the coaches um, sort of struggle a little bit um, at that next level, at NPL level. So the idea is to just take a step back from doing the under-18s and actually work with each coach. I mean, COVID sort of killed that because I haven't had any football or any training at this point. But, you know, the game day management and, and how to manage their sessions and their session planning and, and all that sort of stuff and analysis of the game and you know, uh, half-time talks and all those sort of things are something that, you know, I've got lots of experience at and made lots of mistakes and, you know, and learnt from those mistakes. So if I can shortcut these coaches and give them that experience and that knowledge now, it makes them better coaches, which benefits the club, which benefits the players and all that sort of stuff. So it's a, you know, it's a key thing to have. Um, and regionally, regionally, it's very hard to find someone, you know, who's honest enough to tell you that you're being a doofus, but has the experience and knowledge to back that up as well. Um, lots of people tell you you're an idiot, but if they don't have the knowledge to back it up, then there's no value in what they're telling you. Um, but if someone's got that experience behind them, then you listen to what they say and, you know, you may not agree with it, but you take it on board and, and learn from it. Like, you know, in Fiji last year, we had a, a technical director who wanted, who watched all the games and then came down to me and after you know, three quarters way through our first game and said, you know, they're playing, you know, four, two, three, one, blah, blah, blah. You know, when we do this at home, we go to a, you know, a four, two, two, two and whatever to challenge it. And I, you know, have you thought about doing that? And while I, you know, I said the kids are comfortable with four three three, they know how to play it. I know how to coach it. We'll stay with the four three three, and you know we end up winning the competition under 18s in the grand final one two nil. But it was it was a hard week. But what that did, it made me think about how I coach and that sort of stuff. So that someone who can challenge you, and not necessarily give you the answer, make you think about different ways of approaching things is critical yep. and but they you know they have to have the knowledge and experience behind them and not just be some random going why did you do that um, but if you can think about what you're doing and why you're doing it then that's you know they may not give you the answer but challenge you to think a bit outside the square a little bit and how you do stuff
Well, you touched on it there with what you want to get out of the technical director role at Wanderers with the helping coach mentors and whatnot. Would you say that's your key focus for football now? Um, I've actually been thinking about this. Um, we actually wanted to do a bit of travel this year, and that's one of the reasons we wanted to step back. Um, like we spent two weeks in America last year, and I know even though I trusted the under-18s to someone to coach them and train them during the two weeks I was away, I know that didn't happen. Um, I won't mention any names or anything, but I know that didn't happen. That's the reason they won the grand final, I think. You <laughs> worked on a few things. You didn't work on anything from what I can work on. Um, so, yeah, we wanted to travel this year. Um, we're actually supposed to be flying to the Kimberley on Saturday, but that's obviously been put on hold. So, you know, I've been doing Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays since I was 14 years old um, when I first started playing senior football in Dubbo. Um, and when you think back, that's, you know, 36 years, 38 years of that commitment. Um, so going to the TD role certainly frees up. You know, I could say, look, I'm not available this weekend or whatever. So it certainly frees up that space. But, you know, you certainly miss getting on the park um, and, and bringing a group of kids through. And like winning with under-18s was really cool. That's four years in the making. Winning with the girls in 2014 was five years in the making. So as a TD, you don't, you're not going to get that. Um, so it's still, it's certainly an area that I'll probably end up in, but whether I'm quite ready for that full-time now, still still deciding. My wife's certainly ready for it. Um, I'm still deciding. A um, couple of last questions here. If you could change anything in regional football to help better develop everything, um, what, what would you look to change? Um, yeah, this question's come up a lot. Yeah. And I know in, in Fiji, we, we had um, the TD of South Australia used to come over and we talked about that a lot, whether we could get games in Mildura and all sorts of things with the country kids. The biggest issue we have is the, is the travel commitment. I mean, even playing in Canberra. Like we did 15 trips to Canberra last year. Um, I know it's only three hours, but when you break it down, that's as much time going to Canberra as we did going to Sydney in the State League. Um, and I think geography is the biggest issue we have. And the kids we've brought through um, have, all, have all had to pack up and leave at 14 or 15 to go to Sydney or Melbourne. Um, you know, Jada and four of the mates all packed up after the 2014 and moved to Sydney. Um, you know, they all play... Uh, women's NPL in Sydney now through various clubs and that sort of thing, but they've all had to pack up and leave. Eliza Amendalia left Griffith at 14, 15 to move to Sydney and now she's at the University of Hawaii. Chelsea went to Sydney and then went to Melbourne. Um, the boys, you know, Cooper Storm has been living in Sydney for the last two years um, playing at Harpia. So, and there's lots of other boys who've done the same thing. So, even the NPL in Canberra is good, but in reality, is there a pathway there for them to get to the next level? I know there's a the National Youth League under 20s um, exists at the moment, but who knows what that looks like going forward? I mean, Canberra have a team in that, um, and the odd kid gets picked out of that group. But again, that was only four or five games in a season, so it became less and less effective all the time. Um, and I don't, you know, how do you get around it? It's 
you know, kilometres is the thing. Like I said, you know, one year we did 40,000 kilometres purely for football. Um, and, you know, that's a lot of time in a car, a lot of hours in a car. But our geography makes it so difficult. Um, I mean, playing in, in, playing in Pill in Canberra is a really good step, but there's got to be an outcome from that, and whether it's ultimately a Canberra A-League team, which, you know, they've tried two or three times before through the old NSL. Um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a hard one to work out. It's, you know, getting the country kids together is hard work. We used to do five-day camps to, to maximise the benefit. By the end of the five days, you had four kids sitting on the bench with blisters and and, cramp and you know, hamstrings or quads. So you, know, you might have 25 kids in and you lose half a dozen by the end of the you know, Thursday and Friday. So we went to four-day camps and three-day camps and they come in in the morning and they leave in the afternoon. So it's really only a two-day camp and it's just money and that sort of stuff. So it's, um, you know, ultimately if we go TSP, I think is really good. Um, if you can keep that going and expand on the TSP program. Um, you know, the last couple of years, I've, we'd had the one at Valentine's a couple of years ago. And then last year, the Coast Cup. Um, where we play Sydney FC, we play Wanderers, we play Newcastle and that sort of stuff. That was really good. Um, but again, you know, does anyone get picked up out of those those camps, those games, and invited to the next level? Um, that's That's got to be an outcome for the kids because it's a big commitment. And if there's no... That's starting to, starting to happen. So, you know, those... Levels of games are important, I think, and we're in a good position going forward for players to be more exposed to high-level games. Um, yeah. And hopefully, once we get back to football normality, it's, it's something that we can you know, look to expand and grow on, for sure. Yeah, I know when at VSP, Trevor Morgan was there, and he outlined what he was looking for and that sort of stuff, and, and they had that, um, that, I don't know what they called it, the... High level game between the kids who weren't in the Joeys, the next level down. And they had 30 kids running around and we, and we had a look at that. So I think for the boys, that side of it, the TSP side of it is certainly, if we can keep that going, and this is, you know, TSP is you know, just another iteration of similar programs, but this one looks like the best one um, so far. And I've been doing this for a fair while. And if we can keep TSP going and expand it and and get these games going, then yeah, that's for the boys. Certainly, that's a good aspect for the girls. I, I probably think nationals is still the best pathway. Um, they get exposed to you know, the young Matildas, and the many Matildas coaches are there if they're available. The Matildas coaches there if he's available. Um, they get exposed. I know, you know when you spoke to the, the um, Sykes twins last night, you know, they weren't even picked in the, in the country squad. And, or weren't picked in the Western squad. I'm not sure who the coach was, but you know, not picked for Western, but they can play for Australia. I'm not sure how that works. Um, but, the, you know, kids, the girls can still get picked out of out of obscure places um, and, and get slotted into country squads and that sort of thing and then get seen. The boys, it's a bit harder um, because you know, all the A-League teams have strong academies um, that bring all their kids, you know, they know who the best kids are. So to break into that's pretty hard. Yep. Cool. So what's the, what's the next steps or targets or goals for Andrew Mason in, in football? Um, so I think getting the club, getting the Wanderers coaches better is probably the next big one for them. Um, 
uh, yeah, this year was the idea was to help them a lot, but you know, we're where are we? June now, and you know, we've done three sessions or you know, three weeks worth of training at the start of the year, and nothing since then. So I think my locally my biggest aim is to get them right. Um, my next aim, personally, um, yeah, I don't think I'll ever bother going for an A license because I, you know, while it would be great for my development, I, yeah, I don't see a value or return on investment, basically, which is which is how you have to view it when you live out here. Um, you know, I don't get paid twenty-five thousand dollars to coach anybody. So, you know, the time and the time and expense to do an A license is it's purely for my own development, and I don't even need an A license to do what I'm doing. So it's it's a hard one. Um, I, yeah, but I don't think I'll ever end up going that far. Um, probably ultimately, I'll do the TD thing for a few years. Um, see how the travel bug's going. You know, there's a lot of the world I haven't seen, so. I'll either, in a few years, either pull a pin or I might catch under-13s and kick the 80 out and, and bring that group through <laughs> and see if we can win under-18s again. So, yeah, at the moment, it's the TD role's pretty good for me. Um, it allows me a bit of freedom. Um, after 20-odd 20, 20 years of, at times, ridiculous commitment, um, this year was to take a bit of a break and we were about to launch into a renovation on the house, so... Um, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a good time to, to be able to say, no, I can't attend that or no, I don't have to be there this Saturday. So, yep. Well, this last question before we wrap up, I don't even know why I'm bothering asking it, <laughs> but um, Messi versus Ronaldo, which side are you on? Oh, that's so ridiculously easy. It's not funny. Um, you know, I read a thing on Ronaldo, Twitter. obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I read a thing on Twitter the other day, and because it's on Twitter, it's obviously true. But... <laughs> If, if Messi didn't score for his next 80 games and didn't get an assist for his next 350 games, he would still have a better goal and assist ratio per game than Pinello. So it's... <laughs> yeah, it's fun. They're not even, in the same, not even in the same league, Gates. So you don't even know why you have this competition. <laughs> I agree. Well, that's all. So we'd like to thank you for coming on the Regional Football Hub. I'm sure plenty of people got a lot out of this interview. So thanks for coming on and good luck with your new role at TD. Uh, it's been good. And what you're doing is really good. So it's, it's opened up a lot of people's eyes to the struggles we have. You know, we're 500 k's from Sydney and 500 k's from Melbourne. And Dubbo is the same sort of thing. And it's, it's hard work living out here and being, you know, you have to move. And it's opening up a lot of people's eyes to the struggles, but there are pathways there. You know, and if we get good people on the ground, then we can get more kids. You know. you know, the group of kids that came through that are in the mini Matildas and the young Matildas, you know, that was a long, lot of work by a lot of people. And you know, there are kids out here who can do that. So thanks for what you're doing. It's good. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Andrew. No worries. Cheers. Cheers. Another tally to the messy dog. <laughs>